0: Shabbat shalom, everyone. Passover could very well be the most expensive holiday God created. I'm serious. It is a lot of money. I saw people at the bank refinancing their mortgage just so they can get more matzah. It is more and more expensive every year. And I remember as a kid, for a week, I ate matzah and cream cheese. I survived, right? But that's what we ate. Today, when you go to the store, there's cereal. They actually had, they had uh, chocolate spread. They had strawberries. They even had, I swear, hot dog buns made out of potato starch for Passover. Kind of defeats the purpose. And all of these things cost a lot of money. And then there's obviously the markup for those who have to have the hot dog buns to go with the hot dogs that are kosher for Passover. And the next thing you know, this holiday costs lots and lots of money. And in some ways, I could imagine someone coming into my office. It hasn't happened yet, and I hope it doesn't. But someone coming into my office and saying, you know what, Rabbi? I'm not going to keep Passover. Maybe we'll have a Seder. We'll have some chicken. We'll sit down. But it's just too expensive. It's too expensive for the extra help. It's too expensive for the cleaning. It's too expensive for all the food that we get. It's just not worth the expense. And why does Judaism have to be so expensive? If you think about it, to be fair for a minute, Judaism has gotten very expensive. I mean, let's think out loud some of the costs we have in Judaism. UJA, United Jewish Appeal. They send letters to all of us. There's a Super Sunday, we all make commitments. Let's imagine we gave them 0.05% of our salaries. That adds up. Joining a JCC so our kids can be part of the community center, they can go to the camp, they can swim, they can play basketball, you can take a pottery class or a photography class or an opera class. That costs a lot of money. Sending our kids to a Jewish day school or providing a serious Jewish education for them. That costs a lot of money these days. What else is there? Lots and lots of other organizations like JTS, JNF, the UJC, APAC, NORPAC, JFS. The alphabet soup can go on forever and ever with all of these very worthy, mind you, Jewish organizations that cost a lot of money that need support. And there's another new phenomenon that's happening in this generation that never happened in my parents' generation. And that phenomenon is that non-Jewish or non-sectarian organizations are very welcoming of Jewish dollars. That didn't happen a generation or two ago. Jewish names are all over Lincoln Center and all over the hospitals that never existed before. So Jewish dollars are now going to a much wider place than they used to in the days of old. And when things are getting more and more expensive, like kosher meat and products for Passover and Jewish education, people are stopping. And they're saying to themselves... Is all this money really worth it? Is all this expense really worth it? What do you think? You know, just earlier this year, Governor Christie approved a new charter school that would soon open for this coming fall in Inglewood, New Jersey. For those of you who don't know, Bergen County, and in particular, that's area of Bergen County, Inglewood, Inglewood Cliffs, Closter, Norwood, Demarest, Creskill, Alpine, you get the idea. These areas are very Jewishly, densely populated. Right? They have a Jewish, dense population. The idea of putting in a Jewish charter school when this county has more Jewish day schools per capita than any other county in the world kind of makes me ask a question. Why would they do it? For those of you who don't know what a charter school is, it's basically a unique or subject school that has public school rates, meaning you're not paying for it, and it's allowed to focus on a particular thing. And in this case, the Jewish public school is open, the Jewish charter school is open to anybody, but it will teach the Hebrew language. Now, by law, it's not allowed to teach any religion. It won't teach Talmud. It won't teach Jewish ethics. It won't teach the Bible. But it will teach the language of Hebrew. So here's the interesting but sad phenomenon. The school has already achieved its enrollment for next year. It can't take any more. Eighty percent of its enrollment are people who are leaving the the private day school to go to this charter school, which means they're stopping to pay for a Jewish education in a private school so that they can get a free education in this charter school. But one thing's missing. They're missing Bible They're missing Talmud, they're missing Mishnah, they're missing Jewish values, they're missing ethics, and they're missing prayers that are all incorporated into any Jewish day school's curriculum and core component. All going to be lost in this charter school. So what's the real reason behind it? It's money savings. Because a family of four sending four kids to a Jewish day school is spending what? At least, without any financial aid, at least... $100,000 100,000 dollars in tuition a year post taxes that's a lot of money and if someone is an executive and earning 250 or 300,000 dollars a year which is a very good salary to spend 100,000 of that on your children's education in elementary and middle school education is a lot of kesef as they say in Hebrew it's a lot of money and that money unfortunately is serving as a deterrent for people to choose A Jewish way of life. So I ask you the same rhetorical question I asked you a second ago. Is it worth it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth the money to spend on kosher food? Is it worth the money to spend on preparation for Pesach? Is it worth the money to spend on a Jewish education? Is it worth the money to spend on membership to a shul? Because don't think I have people who come in who are members and some who are members who come into my office and say, What do I get for membership? I'm just curious, what do I get for that? They say, Well, you have access to the clergy and any life cycle events, you get access to the synagogue. They go, Yeah, but if I needed a clergy, I can always find a rabbi, you can always find a cantor. It's true. But do you get a sense of community? Do you get a sense of belonging? Do you get a sense of access to the Torah? Because every member of this synagogue, that Torah is yours. It's not mine, it's not the board's, it's yours. It's not yours that you can go pick it up and take it and use it for an event in your home. But it's yours for what it stands for and what its values are. So what's the purpose of all of this? Why is it worth it in the end? I share all this with you because of something topical happening at the synagogue and a way in which I want to pivot with you. On Monday will be a very exciting morning at our synagogue. At 6.30 in the morning, we're going to have tefillot, we're going to have prayers. At 7 o'clock, we're going to have a siyum b'chorim. A siyum as a study session for firstborns so that they don't have to fast the day of the Seder. And then immediately following the siyum, about 10 minutes to 8 o'clock, we're going to put on hard hats and break ground ceremonially right outside in the courtyard as we prepare the renovations on our Dor Hadash, the Campaign for the Next Generation, which will take all of the space in our lower level and turn it into a usable concourse level for activities and programs. So there, in essence, during those three cycles, you see exactly what our synagogue is about. About prayer, about study, about community and activity from six thirty, seven to 8. Why are we doing this? What's it about? As we raise funds for this project, people are coming and saying, what are we raising funds? We have a gorgeous shul. Things are so wonderful. Why are we raising funds? And we say, because it's time to invest in our future. It's a time to make a difference. Because the kids who are in our religious school, which are bursting from the seams and numbers, the kids in our after-school programs from kindergarten through fifth grade and then our post-bar and bat mitzvah kids, the numbers you see, just look around you at all the people you can't see from. But my vantage point, you've got 20 people standing in the back because there aren't enough chairs right now, and we're not even done with the service. These are good problems in a synagogue. These are things that have problems for which we have solutions. But sadly, the solution comes back to the same issue that takes so many people and pivots them away. It pivots them away because some of the solutions involve finances and money. Just like Passover, just like Jewish education, just like the UJA and the JNF and the JCC. These things all need support to survive. So what's it about? Why do we do it? What's the purpose that drives us behind each and every one of these things? The purpose is a return on our investment. A return and a dividend to tell us that it's all worthwhile. I wrote a story this week, and I'll share it with you, about a common scene that plays out in my office about once a month on the average. Family, lovely family comes in to see me in my office, And they say, Rabbi, we have a problem. We know how serious you are about the religious school and about attendance. But my son here, Michael, he's doing really great at soccer. And soccer practices are on Wednesday now. And if he doesn't go to practice, they won't let him play on Thursday. So we can't come to religious school. So I say to them sometimes, I say, do you hope that Michael becomes a professional soccer player? And most times they start laughing. They just crack up. And it's like, you, clearly you haven't seen him play. I mean, he's doing well, but he, you know, he's not going to play for a bunch of reasons. Being Jewish is not the least of them, right? So I say to them, what do you want for Michael when he grows up? And they say, well, we want him to be happy. We want him to be healthy. I said, do you want him to marry someone Jewish? They said, of course. I said, do you want him to be a member of a synagogue like you're the member of a synagogue? They said, of course. I said, do you want him to go to a religious school the way that he, their children, the way that he's going to a religious school? Of course. Do you want them to have good values and ethics and to understand what it means to care for another? Of course, they say. Do you want them to understand the very values that are within the Torah? Of course. So I respond. How do you expect to get all of those things without investing in it? But you'll put your investment in a sport for which you have no higher aspirations besides recreation. If you want your son to become a professional soccer player, then he or she must Miss whatever they need to miss and go to every practice because that's how it's going to happen. But if you want to become a serious and committed Jew, connected to the community, connected to Torah, connected to our value system, then you have to invest. And invest isn't only with dollars. Invest can mean with time, with energy, and with pure old-fashioned elbow grease. You can invest. We all have ways to invest. And for us to expect a dividend on these things... Is almost comical without putting in an investment. I know in my financial portfolio I have yet to receive one dividend for an investment I haven't made. Have any of you? Have you ever got a check for an investment you didn't make? I doubt it. So how can we have these expectations for our family, for our friends, and for our children if we don't make the investment? Just the other day I had someone come in to me and say, Rabbi the wrong time to do this campaign. It's too difficult financially. But I wanna tell you, Michelle is loving the Hebrew school and her teacher, we gotta clone her teacher. She's great, we need her next year. I laugh. How are we gonna get that teacher next year? How are we gonna get the clone of that teacher? How are we gonna continue to offer the program so that they plug in here if we don't make it possible? That is what's necessary. It's the same thing with Jewish education. It's the same thing with Shabbat. It's the same thing with Passover. And it's the same thing with the UJA, the JNF, and the JCC. So I want to tell you all my answer to is it worth it. We are blessed to have uh, 11 family members staying in our house for this holiday. Some might find that a, uh, a challenge or hard. But Dori and I are blessed that we came from the same value and the same ethic and we love it. We love it for us, and we love it for our kids. And the great thing about having family members come from out of town is that it encourages you to meet the deadlines of all the things you want to do to the house, like any gardening or pictures or other things. So they were all arriving, starting to arrive yesterday, and we met our deadline of hanging some pictures up that have been sitting in a closet for a long time. And one of the pictures that we hung up caused me to get a little uh, choked up for a minute. My grandmother, of blessed memory who lived in Flint, Michigan, the only grandmother I knew. After her husband, Dave died, who I'm named after, she put together a beautiful collage of pictures of the entire family. She cut out little frames for each of them and it was this giant piece of art, bigger than this Bema actually. And it was the focal point of the art in her home and she had a lot of art in her home, but there wasn't anyone who walked into her home and didn't see this gorgeous piece and didn't talk about how it was put together. Shortly after she died, my uncle made copies of it for all of the siblings, for all of her five children. And recently, my cousin Howard and I worked on a project together, and I remarked how I always loved that piece, and as a thank you, he sent me a replica. He had one made for me, and I hung it in my house, and I hung it yesterday And my kids came home from school and they saw the gardening that was done. They saw the other things we got done for the family. And then they saw the pictures that we had put up. And I picked up my little Evie and I showed her the pictures and explained to her who was her Bubby and who was her Zeta. And what did they look like when their hair wasn't gray? Who was her uncle and who was her aunt? And here's your uncle and here's your aunt and your grandparents all sitting here. This was Passover of 74. This was Passover of 72. This was Rosh Hashanah. This is when we all came to visit. This is when we all went out to lunch after we went to shul. These were the memories that had happened. These were the values that we had. And as with those family members who were all coming to our house, I realized as I held her that, please God, one day she's going to be looking at the same picture next to her own collage of those memories and those moments that she put together. Is it expensive to have Seder? Yep. Does it cost money to have 11 people come in? Yep. Is it expensive for her Jewish education? Yes. Does it mean that I might not take the amount of vacations that I'd otherwise want to take? Perhaps. Is it worth it all for that one minute I held her in her, my hands and realized what that lesson was all about? That moment was priceless. That moment was priceless. And that's what we have to realize. That when the stranger sits in our seder who doesn't have a place to go, that when we provide Jewish education to every person who wants it, that when we have options for Passover to say how much we've progressed as a people in celebrating our freedom that includes kosher for Passover hot dog buns, while it might seem trivial, it actually is a moment to celebrate and a moment worth all of those investments. Because if we sit on the sidelines... And we don't engage with our pocketbooks, but only think of the "I" and not the "we," of the "me" and not the team," then we've missed what it's all about, and there'll be no dividend for us to appreciate. All of us cannot afford the price of apathy. Our campaign in our synagogue, the campaign for our communities, Jewish education and even this holiday, all costs money. But I assure you, there's not a dollar that will be spent that won't create a memory that will last a lifetime and bring you the most powerful, the most meaningful, and the most potent dividends that we can ever have, what it's all about. My brachad to each of you is that you see those returns on your investments. You reap those dividends, and you make a difference and appreciate while you do and when they return to you. May it be a holiday of meaning, worth every investment. And let us say, Amen.